Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Good afternoon and welcome to yet another exciting edition of Plank of the Week. It's been so successful uh, that we've had to rope in uh, some real experts on plankery this week. And I have to say, I'm delighted to introduce live from Frinton-on-Sea, Mr James Max, talk radio legend, uh, and also Georgie Frost, uh, not quite Frinton-on-Sea, but sort of West London-ish, uh, another talk radio legend as well. Welcome to both of you. Um, and thank you so much for sparing some time for this, guys. Thank you very much indeed for inviting. Let's get straight to it, though, Georgie. Who's your first plank of the week? First up is Ed Davey, the acting Liberal Democrat leader. Yes. Mm. Whatever you think of Nigel Farage's politics, I do not like a snitch. So the story being that Ed Davey basically reported Nigel Farage to Kent police because Nigel Farage had been in the US. He was supposed to quarantine for 14 days. By the way, quarantine rules change on the 10th of July. They do not change for the US. Nigel Farage says, I tested negative. That doesn't matter either. But my point being, why call someone out on Twitter? Why call the police? Have Has the acting Liberal Democrat leader not got something better to do? Why not pick up the phone, be a decent human being and say, Nigel, I, I could be wrong here, but I think, I think you might need to self-quarantine or self-isolate for 14 days. Have you? I, I just, do I want, if, I assume... Ed Davey wants to be leader of the country at some stage, whether he will or not is, is neither here nor there. Would I, would I want to vote for someone who's a snitch? And this, is, this for me is a wider issue in terms of lockdown, is how concerned I've become, I suppose, about the erosion of civil liberties. This idea, if you remember right at the start, that we had an app and a phone number you could call up to uh, shop your neighbours that weren't doing the right yeah. thing. Look, don't get me wrong. We need to do the right thing. I'm not suggesting that's not an issue, but we also do not need to go back to Stalinist kind of Russia shopping our neighbours attitude. So come on, just pick up the phone, be a decent human being and don't snitch. I think, to be honest, if I got a phone call from Ed Davey, James, telling me that I hadn't done the right thing, I'd be tempted to give him a piece of my mind. This is one of the things I think that people get really hacked off about when it comes to our politicians is the hectoring. The hectoring that they do mm. in order to tell us what to do. And then uh, the fact that they're prepared to behave in, in a way that seems to be somewhat beneath them. So I, I, I think that there's something in this. Yes, I do as well. So it means that basically, I think as well, just to make matters worse, uh, Georgie, the police actually did then go and visit Nigel Farage and have a word with him as if there was any <laughs> point to that. I mean, if, it, if you're going to tell somebody to do something or you're going to threaten them with something, you know, surely the police have got something better to do. That means they've now visited him twice. The first time uh, after he went down uh, to film some um, illegal migrants coming into Hastings on the, on a dinghy, effectively, uh, which they claimed was uh, not essential travel. To which he batted them away by saying, well, actually, I'm a journalist. I've got a radio show uh, and I'm down here doing some research. 
journalism is key working, as as we, as mm. we all know. Uh, no, I agree with you. It's a complete waste of police time. Yeah. Uh, but they can't do anything else. Ed Davey putting it out on Twitter as, you know, look at me, this I know, political peacocking, mm. um, means that they've got no other choice. Uh, they've got something better to do. I'm confident of it, as we all do. Right. You know, like I said... It's... To be honest, I'm not sure Ed Davey has got anything better to do because, I mean, he hasn't got anything to well, do... One would hope. ...leading would a party hope. of 11. I mean, he can't even put out a football team with some <laughs> substitutes, for heaven's sake. <laughs> James, who's your number one? The artist formerly known as <laughs> Prince Harry. Yes. We can only move forward if we acknowledge the past, says Harry, part of an institution uh, that is... I mean, look, there are so many things wrong on paper about whether it's the royal family, where they got their money, why they are, who they are, where they are, the fact that they're the institution themselves. There are so many things that connect into this. And the fact that you've walked away, by the way, and the only reason that you have a platform is because you took the money that we gave you in order to be as famous as you are and the however many millions for your wedding and the this and the that and the other. There are so many things wrong with this that to have somebody talk in this way, particularly when it's part of a an institution that is the Commonwealth, mm. which, you know, read into former Connolly. Well, I mean, the you Commonwealth, know, I'm afraid, is also headed by his granny, who happens to be Queen Elizabeth II. And so the idea, and I th I'm pretty sure as well that he still has some titular connection with the Commonwealth. I think he's an officer still of something or other to do with the Commonwealth, Georgie. I mean, he, I mean, the hypocrisy coming out of these two on a daily basis now, who basically went away from Britain to get out of the spotlight, who seem to be releasing a video every single day. I mean, it's remarkable, isn't it? Mike, as you know, I'm a big fan of Plank of the Week, mm. and I do think that you should just start, rather than have three, 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 so nine, yeah. just do ten <laughs> and put Harry and Meghan. No, no, honestly, every week yeah. we have this, and justifiably so. I'm not questioning that. You know, I, I just think that this week, James, no, you know, I'm not saying that could be a great one, all in all, but um, it, they're, they're, they're a keeper. My first one um, is going to be lockdowners in general because I'm sick to death. We, as I say, uh, most people uh, who watch the show uh, here at Talk Radio know that we did a, a show from a pub which was very successful. Um, Georgie was one of the great, great guests that came down. Lawrence Fox was there. Carol Decker came down as well. Russell Quirk. It was a great day out. And it was very, very well organised. It was very civilised. We were overlooking um, um, a, a place called Vinegar Yard, which is a sort of collection of various different um, outlets for food and drink. People were sitting uh, at alternate tables people were distancing from each other uh, but sitting in groups if they knew each other and the same goes for the pub that I was in you couldn't go to the bar and order a drink but you could sit down uh, and have the drink brought to you and I'm not one of those people James that worries about that I just was really happy to be in a place where you could be brought a pint and you could sit and talk to people uh, who were like-minded or not um, and just have a nice time out and the kind of ridiculousness that we've seen since the weekend. It was almost like an awful lot of these commentators um, were disappointed that there wasn't more fighting, that there wasn't more punch-ups. You know, the people who actually have enjoyed going out uh, have enjoyed it. And the bottom line is it's not just about enjoying yourself, it's about propping up an industry that employs an awful lot of people. I couldn't agree more. I think the thing about um, pubs and the reopening is that you, you, we are all relying on people to be able to behave uh, as best we can mm. and to understand what the rules are and try and respect them where possible. So I'm chairman of a tennis club that has a bar. And for the first time in nearly four months, the bar was open and we taped it up and we had a one-way system. And I have to say, people were incredible. Uh, really, first of all, delighted to be back. 
Um, very respectful of our staff and the team who have been on furlough, bring them back, welcoming them back, but also making sure that, you know, getting used to the new system, standing back. We had a system for collecting the glasses, so nobody has to touch anything that we don't have to and watching, every, you know, and, and making sure that we, you know, we're lucky. We've got a lot of space. So people were able to be outside. The weather was pretty good. We had some food going on as well. And but I think people were overjoyed to be back. Mm. You can have a conversation. You can do this. We put squares down on the grass so that people can, you know, distance themselves if they want to. All of this stuff, it's all there. Um, but you rely on an individual to uh, behave responsibly. And the most important thing is if you feel ill, just stay at home, please. Yeah. You know, that's kind of what we have to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Georgie, we've had three pubs in Somerset that have been shut down yeah. already because some maniac uh, who seems to have been some kind of super spreader who went from one pub to another, then to an Indian restaurant, then to some kind of a vaping uh, establishment. You know, there will be people who are stupid. Um, but by and large, that shows the system's working, doesn't it? Because it means that people have been tracked and traced, the pub's shut down, and we move on. Uh, you're absolutely right. The fact that they've shut three pubs, and I'm sure we will see many more follow suit. Uh, they're much more targeted. But the government, and we've spoken about this, we spoke about this on Saturday, There is, it is a very fine line to tread. Obviously, we need to keep people safe, but we absolutely need to get the economy moving again. Mm. And that means getting people out, getting people back to work and getting people spending. And if we don't do that, well, I, you know, the future is looking very bleak indeed. And I, I I didn't witness when we went to the pub and I also went to the pub, obviously, only for research purposes um, on Sunday as well. And I have to say, everybody was very respectful. I didn't see any of the pictures that we saw um, that were touted on social media. I've seen far worse. And actually, we've got to remember that football was down, I think, between 50 and 60 percent mm. of what it would be normally. So this isn't everybody going out, going crazy. But this is the first time we were able to go out. It's the first weekend. You would expect people to go out and enjoy themselves. But as James said, absolutely be sensible. And this is what I've enjoyed about the government. I'm no apologist for the government, but I think they've by and large trusted in the great British common sense, mm. unlike a lot of European countries where, for goodness sakes, if you go shopping, police will be even checking your receipts. Thank God we haven't had any of that. And let's hope we don't. But I think by and large, we've done pretty well. Yes, I think so. I mean, I'm going out for dinner on Thursday night. James for the first time since March basically and I'm really looking forward to it I haven't actually picked my four uh, three companions yet I've got one I'm going with Martin my producer uh, and I'm, I'm looking for two others to come uh, but it's going to be a really nice night out because I'll just really be into it and it'll be just you know sitting around getting somebody I mean I haven't been served properly a, a meal in a restaurant you know for three months now that to me uh, is, is the equivalent of some kind of solitary confinement, you know, because I used to go out, not a lot, but at least once or twice a week for dinner, you know. And, no, and, you're, and you're... You, you are excellent at lunch. Um, and <laughs> we I have had a couple of lunches, now. yes. Mike is a fantastic luncher. <laughs> uh, he's, he's one of the best. Well, indeed. But you know as well as I do how important the economy, res you know, how, how much the economy needs the hospitality business. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all I know is that as a result of not going out and various other things that I would normally do, I think I've lost two stone. So uh, I, I'm <laughs> saved so a few quid as well, I should imagine. Coming back. <laughs> yeah, well, you'd have saved a few, Bob. Georgie, let's do your second one. What is it? Yeah, I'm going to pick working partners. Who yes. they? Who they, you ask? Yes. Well, they're a group that employ and commission writers. And one of those writers, a lady called Gillian Phillip, uh, best-selling children's author. Now, she got in a bit of bother should we put it that way because she changed her twitter handle to add the hashtag i stand with jk rowling now you right might remember the harry potter author got into a little bit of hot water herself a few weeks mm. back 
when she made comments about menstruation. There was an article where it said people who menstruate. And she said, where is women? Because I could be wrong as well. I don't know any men that menstruate. I don't know anyone but women. But either way, my opinion doesn't matter on this one. Um, so anyway, uh, Gillian Phillip was sacked from working partners. What happened is when she did this, she got absolutely hammered online by Twitter trolls. Some of the abuse to both women was incredibly, it was sexualized, targeted abuse from Twitter followers, people, people on Twitter. And um, in 24 hours, I believe it was, working partners came out and said she no longer works for us. What on earth happened to free speech? Why is anyone's free speech more important than anybody else's? Just to look at definition, freedom of speech is the right to seek, receive and impart information and ideas of all kinds by any means. It is not unqualified. Absolutely, it is not. But your right to speak is no greater than anybody else's. And I'm sorry, someone has lost their job for supporting something like this. What is with this cancel culture? I think it's absolutely unacceptable. And to come from someone that commissions writers is unbelievable. HarperCollins UK, who actually published the books that she writes, have distanced themselves saying, oh, we don't have a contract with her. We have a contract with working partners. Well, I'm sorry, come out and support because you are the bastions, authors, publishers, the bastions of free speech. And if we're having this sort of situation where she's being cancelled, her contract cancelled, I think it's disgusting. Yes, it's quite a strange situation, isn't it? Because it turns out um, that she writes for what I didn't know existed, which is a kind of collective of authors mm. who write under a pseudonym. Um, uh, and, and the only reason I know this is because one of my kids reads these Beast Quest books, which are kind of, you know, um, part of the school curriculum because they're kind of fantasy, you know, Harry Potter style books, actually. Um, but what I didn't know was that they were written by about 15 different people. And their argument is that somehow she has brought this fictional individual into disrepute by having a view that they don't like, which, James, is just madness, isn't it? It is bonkers that uh, we've now got ourselves into a position where if anybody expresses a view that is not, uh, whether it's woke or otherwise, uh, that gives them uh, an excuse to get rid of you. It it really is very, very peculiar and it's actually quite chilling that for all the freedoms that people are saying that they want to have, and I don't care whether it's about Black Lives Matter or any of the other protest movements that people want to have, all of the things which are wrong, if you like, in our world about the... The, the people that we whether ostracize or uh, have discriminated against or for whatever reason have had um, uh, issues relating to their lives or, or you know, have, have suffered some kind of discrimination. All of that has to go and it goes if we as a society decide that we want it to go. What doesn't happen, though, is when you start to use the very bullying or other tactics that have been used elsewhere to hound people out because they have a view that perhaps is different from yours. That's very, very dangerous. Mm. And it's very, very unpleasant. Yes. And you'd have to ask the question, wouldn't you, Georgie, if she had had the opposite view, i.e. that she was against J.K. Rowling, I wonder if the same would have happened. No, I don't think it would have happened at all. She probably would have been given a promotion. Um <laughs> No, because it is. It's like British Bulldog. Do you remember that game when we were I kids? Do. Everybody moves with the crowd and yeah. then someone changes and then we all have to move again mm. to what's supposed to be, I don't know if the woke is the right term, but it's populism gone mad. Mm. But on Twitter, how we can decide from Twitter, which let's be honest, a fraction of, we, we have this view that Twitter is the world. It's not. A very mm. small amount of people are very vocal on it and actually very abusive, a lot of them. 
seem to be able to dictate policy, the news agenda, mm. whether we employ authors. I just think it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it's a very good choice for Plank of the Week, though, I have to say. James, what's your number two? So this is a chap, and I don't know how to pronounce his surname because it's L-I-P-E. Right. Chris Leip. Would it, it be Leip, I would imagine? Yeah. He is of the World English Language Scrabble Players Association. Okay. He says that there is a vigorous debate across the Scrabble community in respect of trouble words. And there are calls to ban 238 offensive words from the game of Scrabble. But if they are words and they are in the English uh, language and dictionary, and they're all sorts of swear words. I mean, as a child, I took great pleasure in being able to drop the C-bomb or something on on Scrabble. You know, I'm sorry, they are words. And if you try and erase them from our language in a way that is... um, you know, politically motivated or correct or otherwise, you're going to end up in a terrible, terrible mess. Well, you it's are. much better if people choose not to use them as opposed to trying to ban them. Well, it's a word game, if I'm not mistaken. So a bit difficult to have a word game in which, Georgie, you're not allowed to use certain words, surely? Yeah, this just filters into all of the debate that we're having at the moment, hasn't it? You know, things like Little Britain being Mm. banned from BBC iPlayer, statues being brought down, uh, a kind of what is acceptable, what isn't. And and I think James used the best word for it earlier. It's chilling, Mm. actually. Yeah. Well, I wonder as well. How can you you stop me doing a word on Scrabble? Right. There's a thought police involved here. I mean... Exactly right. And James, that's the other thing. I mean, you say these are words which appear in a dictionary. I mean, how, how long before somebody says, maybe we should just take these words out of the dictionary? Well, I think that's sort of where uh, certain kinds of discussion are heading. Mm. Uh, And when you start to try to rewrite history, whether it's about black colonial past, um, which, of course, you can only learn from history if you know what it is. Mm. Uh, And and I think we've we've got a real problem where we're trying to, you know, rewrite all these things and apologize for past behaviors and uh, try and say that today, you know, people are only in a position because they've been. Um, are discriminated against during their lives. And then you've got a whole generation who are like racking themselves with guilt over the fact that, you know, they've got a certain color of skin or, you know, they've been brought up in a certain way or their parents chose to send them to a certain kind of school or, you know, and it's okay to target people because they're, you know, they've got a bit of cash, but it's not okay because they're not. We are in a very big mess. Yes, we and, certainly you know, are. And, and I mean, there tends to be uh, quite a few references to this kind of thing over the course of the last few weeks. You know, Plank of the Week has to focus in on quite a lot of this stuff. And I've got one uh, coming up and I haven't really decided yet whether it should be the BBC for producing so much of this tosh uh, or whether it should be the individual's concern. Because the BBC puts out, as you know, a great many podcasts. And in fact, they've killed the podcasting market for people like us who would quite like to make some money independently because they give all their stuff away for free. You know, you pay the licence fee, you get BBC Sounds, but they do a podcast called No Country for Young Women, um, which stars a couple of women I'd never heard of before called Dr. Charlotte Lydia Riley, uh, who is an historian, apparently, uh, and somebody called Amelia de Moldenberg, who calls herself a journalist, but I'm not quite sure why. Um, they both had this conversation. Apparently, there's such a thing as a Karen. I don't know, Georgie, if you know about this, but um, no, it's apparently, not reading this story. It's not apparently the female version of a gammon. Um, which to my mind is a, is a yeah. racial term because a gammon is what you would call somebody like James or somebody like me um, if you're from the left because basically a gammon denotes somebody who's white, um, who, who is a, possibly a Brexiteer, possibly right wing, possibly somebody who um, you would argue with if you were a lefty, right? Uh, and they use this word quite openly and quite freely as if it's not, and it's a racial term based on the colour of your skin, 
right? That's what it is. Um, so there's a thing called a Karen, which I think has come from America, which is yeah. supposed to denote um, reasonably well-off, um, rather uppity and sort of, uh, although uppity apparently is a word you can't use very much either, um, white women, usually kind of, usually housewives. It w oh, I'm not housewife. Well, you're but not. Think, you're, yeah. yeah, but but basically, women 30s, 40s, opinionated uh, women opinionated women uh, who tend to be, shall we say, not necessarily on the right hand side of politics, but on what I would call the common sense. You know, not a lefty. You know, you don't. You're not. You're not burning your bra. You don't think that you know feminism is the answer necessarily. You just get on with your life, right? But these two gave this ridiculous kind of um, comment on white privilege as part of this podcast, and they talked about how. Basically, what can we do to stop Karens from infesting the world? You know, make them read some books, make them understand that their privilege is because they're white, make them understand that, you know, people of colour need to be treated better and that we need to be sorry for what we've done in the past. I mean, it was just an absolute and utter diatribe of nonsense. What I particularly liked about it was that it ran alongside a, uh, the, the, the clip that they put out on social media ran alongside some subtitles, effectively, in which they couldn't spell privilege. They spelt it, and this is coming from the BBC, mind you, P-R-I-V-E-L-A-G-E, -E, privilege. And I thought to myself, you know, if you're going to talk about it, you should really know how to spell it. This is a, a, a war which is raging, and uh, as we head towards a new director general of the BBC, and we look into what the BBC is there to do and how it's there to fund itself and all this other stuff, uh, they are straying very often into markets and places that maybe they shouldn't. And also, I, I do really struggle with their positive agenda on certain subjects. Mm. It's not to say that we shouldn't be educated and that there shouldn't be people with all range of views given a platform and, and able to speak. But I think, as you say, they're using taxpayers' money to create podcasts, which kind of kills the commercial market. Mm. They should be doing things that other people can't do because commercially it won't work. Uh, maybe something like this commercially won't work. I don't know. It sounds like a load of old nonsense Well, to the me. trouble with the BBC is they don't care if it doesn't work commercially because they don't have any <laughs> concern about the money because it's all coming from us. Well, quite. Their, their, their understanding of money and uh, resources is something entirely different. I just, I just think the BBC... Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. BBC has to look again at its editorial policies and qualities. Uh, and I think also this discussion of Karens and all this sort of business is, is very concerning again, because this, this wringing of hands over you know, whether it's white privilege or, or uh, apologising for who you are and what you are and that somehow this is all going to make the world better. It's a very, very peculiar mm. thing. Uh, I, I understand, and I don't know about you, but if you've lived and grown up in London, you've seen a lot of uh, prejudice, racial prejudice, but also uh, sexual prejudice and um, LGBTQ discussion uh, and, again, prejudice, all sorts of things which have been going on. And uh, London is a very international and open-minded city, and I think we've learned a lot about how to treat people better. And guess what? We've all got to do more. We've all got to, you know, I think as one of the songs in Avenue Q says, everybody's a little bit racist, because somebody who isn't you, they're not you. They don't speak yeah. like you. They don't sound like you. They don't look like you. You don't find them attractive or whatever it is. There are all sorts of things, all sorts of reasons. Um, we're not going to solve it by having wringing of hands and no. this and constantly and constantly apologising, which seems to be the other thing, um, Georgie, that we've reached the, the sort of the zenith of, isn't it? It's like we have to keep apologising for stuff uh, that, like, I mean, Prince going back to Harry and Meghan, they were apologising on my behalf the other day because they said it wasn't only their generation of people, but it was other previous generations of people, which presumably includes me. Now, I'm not asking him to apologise on my behalf. I'd rather he didn't. I described him as having become the Lily Allen of the royal family. It seems like a kind of collective race to the bottom. Who's got the worst story? Who can garner the most sympathy? Why don't we try and aim at raising each other up together? Yes. Wouldn't that be a nice way rather than seeing who can go the furthest down? I have a couple of issues with, with this um, plank of the week. I mean, you're talking about the BBC. I, I agree with James. I do think, you know, venturing into areas where really... Perhaps they shouldn't. I don't like the. I, I do agree with the fact that I think we need to do more in many areas of getting greater representation on air. Absolutely representing all sectors of our society. Completely agree with that. But I don't know why it's sort of picking and choosing why you have certain targets for one group and that you don't for the other. And I'm thinking here particularly disabled people mm -hmm. um, have fallen a little bit by the wayside in terms of the BBC. But the issue with Karens, I again, it's this, I hate the idea of having a sort of psychological theory. And I think this is what, what falls under a psychological theory. Um, things like behavioral economics or privilege or anything like that, or bias, unconscious bias, is you, you can't escape from it. Mm. You haven't, there's no out. I can't, I can't prove anything to the contrary. I did civil rights and slavery at university, but I, I still obviously have white privilege because I am white and privileged. I, I can't get away from that. So you know, I can't read any more books. I've read most of them. So what do I do? Nothing. I can't do anything. I'm stuck. I'm just stuck in this position and I hate that. Right. And apparently I'm a Karen and I really hate the name Karen. Yes. Well, I, I yeah. totally sympathise with all of that. And also, um, surely it's rather discriminatory, is it not? Uh, to lump everybody into one particular group and say that they're all the same and therefore you have to treat them accordingly. You know, that to me is the def very definition of discrimination. And these idiot idiotic women uh, are trying to point out that that's what's wrong with society by kind of endorsing it. It's just very, very bizarre indeed. Discriminatory and uh, it's, yeah, it's just um, hypocritical. It's, exactly, exactly right.
Let's get your, your third uh, nominee. Right, my third nominee is quite a broad church here, actually. I don't yeah. know if you read uh, the Sunday Times report into Boohoo, the fast yes. fashion online outlet. It's been doing a roaring trade during lockdown. Yeah. To be fair, it was very successful before that. Values dropped more than $1.5 billion in two days. third of the value of the company has been wiped off. And this is after news that came out regarding the working conditions in Leicester. So mm. reports which they strenuously deny, and they are investigating, just to be clear on that, um, saying that they paid their staff £3.50 an hour. The minimum wage, by the way, at the moment is £8.72. And also they weren't given the proper coronavirus PPE equipment. Um, they also own Nasty Girl, Gal, uh, and Pretty Little Thing. You might have seen them on the tube. Mm. I think I'm probably the wrong age group for that, but it's think about little dresses where they're so tight it's like wrapping a bandage around you, yeah. lots of fake tan and all that. Um, the wider concern here is, uh, I guess, a lot of the way that we're treating workers in, in places like Leicester, the garment factory there. But what was shocking is if you take a look at the photographs, and you say, where is this in the world? It is in our backyards and it should be nowhere in the world. Mm. And so this is what I'm thinking about in terms of selective indignation. All of those people that are hammering JK Rowling, that are hammering everybody, it seems, on Twitter. These are the real criminals. The fast fashion industry and people that go and buy a dress for $4.99. At, and you know what I mean with fast fashion. It's just the churning, churning, right. churning. Every two weeks, the fashion changes. You buy a dress from Zara, Primark, whatever, Boohoo for $4.99. And I will say the thing I always say is if you're paying under a fiver for a dress, there is someone somewhere in the world that is paying for it. And what we're finding out is that that may be happening in Leicester, on our doorstep. Like I said, it shouldn't happen anywhere. But I'm thinking all of it. The use of cheap, toxic textile dyes. You know, it's the most polluting of clean water globally after agriculture mm. is fashion. The poor working conditions. Remember Rana Plaza, anybody? Yeah. We have this idea that it's all right. We can just take it to a charity shop. One-tenth of things that are taken to a charity shop are actually sold on. The rest are taken to landfill or taken to poorer countries where they destroy textile industries. So what I would say to everybody who's hammering the likes of J.K. Rowling on Twitter, turn your attention to those people that deserve it. And these are these companies. Yes, I think that's right. And don't, don't right. buy the dresses as well. But as you say, I mean, this, this, this market uh, is very, uh, very young. Most of the people who buy these dresses probably will find themselves on a march once in a while. Uh, they'll be marching for the Climate Change Brigade or Extinction Rebellion. And they're actually more polluting of the atmosphere because of the stuff that gets made in these factories than me driving around in a Range Rover. I couldn't agree more. I think we, we've got a real problem here of double, triple standards. And the double, triple standards are, on one hand, we're being asked to change our lives. And we're causing immense damage, by the way, by changing those lives in terms of whether it's calling out different companies or uh, calling out different organisations. Uh, that having been said, I think we do expect the organisations with whom we shop to uphold certain standards. But we as consumers also um, need to make better choices. So, for example, people say, oh, Waitrose is a posh supermarket. One of the reasons that they charge more for some of their uh, kit than perhaps other supermarkets is the way that they pay their staff mm. and the way that they pay their suppliers. We as consumers need to ask these questions about why is something so cheap? And we as consumers need to make better decisions, more informed decisions uh, to ensure 
that uh, we are not necessarily living those double standards and particularly those people, as you say, Mike, you know, those people who are, you know, protesting at this and environment that and Black Lives Matter the other and all the other stuff that we're wringing our hands over. Just look at yourselves and look at the way that you've behaved and then and then come and tell us after that. Yes, I think that's absolutely right. Who's your final one, uh, James? Oh, well, for uh, for my final one, I'd like to go to China. Uh, China's ambassador to uh, the UK is a gentleman by the name of Liu uh, Xiaoming. Uh, he warned the UK not to interfere after it offered fast-track residency visas uh, to three million Hong Kongers in the wake of the uh, new restrictive law. And I find this absolutely extraordinary, really, that, um, I, well, I don't, because uh, China doesn't like being told how to behave. Um, but when Hong Kong was handed back, it came to the end of a lease, and I do understand that uh, the deal was signed. Um, again, it was almost reeks of colonial past. There are all sorts of things. However, there were certain conditions attached. And I do think it's really important when it comes to conditions of um, international agreement that they are respected. And I think that what we're seeing here is that those agreements are not being respected. And yet we are in a pickle. And we're in a pickle because we've done so much business with China that we kind of wash our hands of the fact that they have a very different attitude to whether it's human rights, the way that people are allowed to protest, free speech, all these other things, combined with the fact that Hong Kong has an enormous amount of money. Uh, you know, the 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 you know, why was it agreed that Hong Kong was allowed to have these things? Well, because, you know, at the time, um, back in in you know, 20 years ago when it was handed back, uh, significant businesses, very significant amounts of money and international trade. And of course, the Chinese wanted to keep hold of that currency. Now, of course, the Chinese economy has moved on and become uh, so significant. Um, you know, we, we, we've seen slightly different behaviours. But I do think that the words and the way that uh, they are speaking to us as an international nation and partner is pretty unpleasant. And I think that somebody needs to sort out those relationships. Yes. But also, I think we're making the right decision when it comes to 5G and Huawei and whether we should be involved with them. No thanks. Well, his words about the uh, Hong Kong situation came before, I think I'm right in saying, um, you know, the government basically said, look, we don't want to deal with you on 5G because we don't think that your, right, your record on human rights is, is good enough. They've now said, uh, I think, Georgie, well, if you want to see a hostile China, you're going the right way about it. Well, I'm sorry. I mean, they're already pretty hostile, aren't they? As we're seeing it in Hong Kong, mm. I think it, I think it's kind of brave, actually. I think a lot of the talk after Brexit was, oh, we're going to have to kowtow to, you know, a lot of regimes in which just to do business because we don't have the EU anymore. Well, mm. actually, no, there comes a point when we say, well, we don't want to, to do business with you if you're going to do it that way. And actually, this is one example, I think, with Hong Kong. Yes, yes, there are times in the past when, you know, the British Empire was not at its greatest. And, and I say that absolutely mildly. Um However, this is one example when it was handed over that they were strict conditions regarding democracy and those have been flouted recently. So absolutely. So, you know, I, I, it's a country that uh, the, there are difficult decisions that are going to have to be made going forward when we do business with countries, because as I said there, you know, obviously you want to do it with the best countries, but you also need to make money. And these are going to be difficult decisions to be made. And a hostile China, well, I think America's got examples of that. Fight fire with fire. I'd 
Yeah, I mean, I think that decision was well made and I think we'll see it's going to be maybe tricky. Um, but I think it's right to call out Russia and China and Saudi Arabia to say, look, you can't mm -hmm. just continue to go around the world, do whatever the hell you like, killing people, you know, poisoning people um, and sort of kidnapping people and uh, letting them nobody ever see them again. I'm going to go back to the royal family for my final um, destination for Plank of the Week because it has to be Prince Andrew because you might remember uh, that Prince Andrew gave his Emily Maitlis interview some months ago uh, in which he said... Um, if he was asked uh, whether he would, uh, he, would, he would go and talk to the US authorities, he said, well, I'll talk to my legal team, and if they think it's a good idea, then I would be more than happy to go and talk to them. He hasn't gone to talk to them since then, so I can only assume that his legal people have said, we don't think that's a very good idea. Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, who was the, the, sort of the woman with the key to everything, was finally arrested last week uh, in a hideaway in, uh, in New Hampshire, which is a pretty good place to hide away, actually. I'm still waiting to see the story of how they found her. Uh, we now learn this week, James, that uh, that she's got a bunch of sex tapes, apparently. Um, God knows what's on them. Um, presumably she's on a few of them, judging by some of the lurid stories that have come out. Um, but Prince Andrew is still embarrassing his mother. You know, he needs to sort this out. The poor Queen is already dealing with Meghan and Harry and all of that nonsense. She needs He needs to sort out what he's going to do, because sure as fate, if he doesn't go and talk to them, um, she's going to tell them stuff which he's then going to have to answer for which is going to end up being probably, at the very least, embarrassing, uh, if not worse. There are so many layers to this story. Um, and, of course, there's an enormous amount of speculation, and I can only imagine what the movie's going to look like mm. once it's done. Yeah. Um, if there is any truth in those sex tapes, and they are released, and we find out who, what, when, where, the, uh, uh, the consequences are just extraordinary, and there must be people, I'm sure, who are, Rightly so, quaking in their boots yeah. uh, as a result of that. I think in regard to Prince Andrew, I, I'm i sort of at a loss as to how he could possibly make things any worse on the basis that um, <laughs> his his ability to say, I have no recollection of that, is an indication that, yes, it happened, but I'm not going to say so right. until somebody proves or has CCTV to show, oh, 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 yes, that did. Yes, yeah. 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 Well, because so, he's already claimed that the famous photograph... Uh, is now doctored, hasn't he? He's basically put that out there that said that you know, that wasn't me. It's not my hand. I wasn't standing there. I mean, really? There is no smoke without fire. I think this story has a lot more to give. Um, the question, I suppose, is whether Ghislaine Maxwell wants to um, skewer everybody uh, on her way down or whether she's going to keep Sturm. Uh, you know, I, as far as I'm concerned, Prince Andrew has said, I will co cooperate with the authorities. There is an element of the U.S. authorities wanting a scalp and they want to do it in a very public mm -hmm. way and they want to you know, have their sort of moment in the limelight. And I do think the way the American legal system behaves is um, verging on appalling. Um, and, and I can understand why he and his advisors want to steer clear of that. That having been said, it's very clear that he's obfuscating and trying not to get involved. Again, I would love to be uh, you know, behind those closed doors having those conversations to him about whatever went on. Well, exactly right. I mean, they can't, George, they can't make him go there and speak to them. But for me, it's just the longer it goes on, the worse it is for the Queen. And I just, you know, you can't bear for her to have to think about that. No, of course not. But I imagine, I mean, I don't know. If only I did know, I'd have a great scoop. Um, what's going on behind the scenes? And I think, I imagine everything that he's doing is probably with the royal family's uh, not necessarily approval, but um, certainly their legal team mm. behind him. I don't think he would be doing this alone. But yeah, you would think 
he, he would want this over with soon, but I, I agree with James. I don't think this is going to be over anytime soon. So as distant as he can be from it, I think he'll try and maintain that as the status quo and see how things blow over and whether these tapes and anything more do mm. come out. But this has got legs. It has, I'm afraid. It has got legs. We've now got uh, our nine choices, right? Um, and it may well be that since nobody nominated Lewis Hamilton, he will probably be carried over from last week. Uh, I'll just mention that in passing because he's still been he's been in the news now on Plank of the Week for the last three weeks. Um, and this particular week, it was because it was the opening of the Grand Prix, uh, which he didn't win, which came as a big surprise to him, but not to a lot of other people. Um, let's uh, choose our, our uh, top three. So, Georgie, do you want to choose what your favourite one of James's uh, offerings? Just tell us what your three are, James. Harry of the Prince Variety, or formerly known as Prince. Yeah. Uh, Chris Lippy, uh, <laughs> the um, chap from the uh, Scrabble Association. Yeah. And the uh, China's ambassador to the UK, mm. uh, Liu Xiaoming. I'm going to go for China's ambassador. Very good. Very timely. OK, uh, so, James, you want to pick my, uh, the, your favourite of my three, which are the lockdowners in general, uh, Prince Andrew. And just because nobody's heard of these two uh, women, I'm going to go with the BBC mm. as the third. I'm going to go for your two women and the BBC. Okay. Why not? Sounds good. All right. So the BBC and the Chinese ambassador. So let me pick yours, uh, Georgie. Which are your three again? Mine are working partners yep. for sacking Gillian Phillip, Ed Davey for shopping Nigel Farage, and fast fashion with particular oh, yes. emphasis on those who buy it and boohoo. It's got to be Ed Davey because he is oh. the most irritating man, I think, in politics today. And, uh, you know, <laughs> and he's also useless. Complete. I mean, this is a guy, by the way, who fasted, uh, if you remember, during Ramadan and put out a ridiculous video of himself fasting. And you're kind of going, why are you fasting for Ramadan? He doesn't fast for any other period of time. He doesn't fast for Lent, as far as we know. He doesn't fast uh, for any of the uh, Rosh Hashanah or any of the Jewish uh, holidays. But he, but he fasts for Ramadan. And you think, well, why are you doing that, Ed? What's that all about? So, so we have Ed Davey, uh, we have um, the BBC, uh, and we have the Chinese ambassador. So, I'm going to go quickly in there and to say the BBC because I think that's a multi-layered one there. That, so, we'll um, make them number one. It 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 really annoyed all of us, but on lots of different levels. Yes. So I I I put the two ladies. Mm, yes, slash I could BBC. do that. James, would you concur? Uh, yeah, I could concur with that. I think whilst I'm. I'm saddened that the Chinese ambassador to the UK um, thinks that it's appropriate to speak like this. It's more that I'm sad and I'm sad for the Hong Kongers mm. and, I'm, and, I, and I'm annoyed and I'm frustrated that people think that that is the right way to govern a nation. I don't necessarily think it's plankery. Mm. Whereas the BBC, as Georgie says, on so many different levels, oh my God, plankery upon plankery. Uh, I mean, you know, well, there's it. a veritable feast there. Well, it's there's... a Really, it really is. I mean, it's, they could do one a day for the BBC, but um, so that's good. So one should we make should we make the Chinese ambassador number two then? Yeah, I'd confidently say yeah. that. I think so. Yeah. I mean, because the great thing about the Planks list is that you can be anything. You know, Maya Tuzi once um, nominated the entire Iranian government on Plank of the Week. Um, so you know, you can have political sort of organisations. So so then third place, Ed Davey. Second place, Chinese ambassador to the UK. First place, the BBC. Congratulations to the BBC. Not for the first time, Planks of the Week. Thanks again to today's guest, Georgie Frost from The Times uh, and Talk Radio. James Max from Talk Radio, of course. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel on YouTube. It's at Talk Radio, uh, and you'll see everything that we make every single week. It's great. Thank you.